Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Is It Just Me? It's the podcast where you know the drill by now. We chat about all sorts of important nonsense. The news night of nonsense, James likes to call us. I'm Joelle, Elvin, one of your hosts, and together with co-host James Williams, we chat to a celebrity every week about all the nonsense affecting our lives and treat it with all the dignity and severity it deserves. This week, we've got best-selling author and all-round awesome gal, Jane Fallon, who's got a new book out called Queen Bee. And we're going to be talking to her about all my intolerances from buffets to other airline passengers and creepy people who dress their kids the same way. That's James's thing. I'll let him explain. Um, so enjoy. Jane Fallon, award-winning author and all round probably one of the best humans on earth. That's no exaggeration. Welcome to Is It Just Me? Thank you for doing the introduction I asked you to do. That I yeah. <laughs> for a low, low price. <laughs> yeah. Tenth novel. It is. Yeah, I can't quite believe it. Tenth in, I think, 13 years. Obviously, some authors would have managed 13 in that time. But yeah, if you'd have told me that I'd be here 10 years ago, 10, 14 years ago, I wouldn't have believed it. Does it get harder, easier? Do you know what? It's a bit of both, actually. It gets... Obviously, it gets a bit harder to keep thinking up um, new stories that you haven't written before. I quite often get quite far into developing an idea and think, hold on a minute, this is familiar. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it gets easier in the way that uh, I know now that I can get through the physical process. So I know that there's going to be a point, which is coming up probably this week, uh, where I get to about 40,000, 50,000 words and it's all a disaster and I cry a lot and I throw things around and I want to throw the whole thing in the bin. But I know now that I can work through that. See, <laughs> I, every author that. friend of mine does that. And I've got a few of my friends who are authors and there's always that moment where I say to them on text, oh, we're at this point of the book. So we're nearly there, actually, when you've decided you're the shittest writer on the planet. And then yeah. two weeks from now, you've got a Sunday Times bestseller. <laughs> but yeah it always happens and I know it's going to happen and every time and you know people will say to me like you probably do to your friends yeah this happens every time but I'm like no this time it's real yeah oh yeah yeah oh and and now the thing is I always 
um, this is going to sound fantastically lazy, but I always like the author to give us the praise of the book in case I give away something you don't want to. So mm. tell us what Queen Bee is all about. That's fine. Yeah. So it's about a woman called Laura who is going through a divorce and she needs to find somewhere to live very quickly um, because the house that she's buying falls through. And so she finds herself renting what essentially turns out to be the staff quarters in a very posh house, in a very, very, very posh, close of posh houses um, in North London. And she quickly finds herself up against the Queen Bee, Stella, who takes a dislike to her when she thinks that Laura has designs on her husband. And, um, and so it's sort of about being a fish out of water and fitting in. But then Laura also discovers something about Stella's, actually her fiance, not her husband. She discovers something about him and she has to decide, does she help out this woman who's being so vile to her? and ostracizing her or does she just leave her to drown? And... Yeah, it's so, what I love, it's so, um, it's scheming, it's like got lots of plot twists and there's all lots of like, delicious little details about the rich life that we all, it's sort of like my, my fantasy idea of rich people. You kind of want them all to be playing a part and not that happy, even though we know they probably are quite happy being rich. Well, yeah, I mean, some people are. I don't know that all the people are in this book because they don't have any joy in it. Yeah, that's it's what I mean. It's like, that, that's the, fa the fantasy is, yeah, but are they happy? Whereas us, my, my rich friends are really happy, but mm. in this book, <laughs> they're, they're not. So I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it's a very kind of specific group of very wealthy yeah. people who, they have all the money in the world, but they have absolutely no individuality. And all they've done is kind of join a new cult, a new band of mean girls. And and join a new set of rules for themselves. So, you know, they don't, everything they pick, they pick because it's expensive. They don't pick things because they love them. They don't do anything they particularly want to do. They do whatever their particular group has decided is the right thing to do with their money. At yeah. It's just very joyless. Yeah. My, my mum is the opposite of that. My mum buys things um, because they're cheap and it doesn't <laughs> matter if they're any use or any aesthetic pleasure whatsoever. If it was, well in australia a dollar then therefore it's a great thing we used to know it's like that actually there used to be an old man that we knew that we used to go and visit sometimes and he was exactly like that and he would come back and he'd say oh look what i bought i've been to something he'd travel all the way across london and he'd go to some market and he'd come back with you know three somethings for a pound and he once said oh, i bought you a present like, oh. and he'd bought us a plastic antelope one of those little models of a plastic antelope it clearly wasn't even new and he was like oh 30p or something he cost for it and we didn't know what to do with it so but we were scared that he might come round to our flat and see it one day so we put it in the fridge and this was in about 1986 and it's moved to every house we've ever lived in it's in there's now because i just <laughs> sort of just that's where it lives well that was a bloody bargain then wasn't it, it was. he was right yeah yeah exactly. it's hideous and when, where did you get the inspiration for the novel? I'm sure you've probably been asked that a thousand times, but how do you decide which stories are the ones that are going to run? I think I sort of think about what issues have been preying on my mind. I've wanted to write something about those kind of people, the sort of super rich, the, uh, the not very individual, not yeah. very powerful super rich for a while. And um, I was also had been interested in writing something about neighbours. I think that's a fascinating kind of relationship that you spend so much time, you know, you have to get to know these people and you spend a lot of time bumping into them, but it's completely random who you live next door to. Um, so, yeah, then I, would, I just sort of, I usually start thinking about the relationship I want to write about initially. And so I thought a fish out of water in this case would be a good way to go about it, you know, plunk someone in among all these people and see how she gets on. Yeah. I think the, I think the notion of neighbours has become really, I think that's what makes it very, very timely. Because I think right now, 
post lockdown, you know, because A, you either have been forced to get your, to know your neighbours or you've actually realised which ones are the good ones and which ones are the not so good ones. So I do think that alone is actually quite a really interesting thing to sort of think about right now because, you know, it, it's true, you, you can't choose your friends and you can't choose your neighbours, can you? It's like, it's, um, it's, you know, and I think it's really made you appreciate. I mean, I've heard so many horror stories about people falling out with their next door neighbours, people living in flats with like, you know, no noise insulation. I mean, it's really brought up the worst in people, but it is such a lottery, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And also, especially at the moment with the weather like it is and everybody's outside and at home all day, you're really discovering things about some people that you have no idea that they did all day, given the opportunity. Lovely. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. The, the people who live their whole lives out in the street that, you did, that I didn't realise because I'm working in the office normally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, exactly. And the people who, I don't know, just have to do everything very loudly. <laughs> I find it very odd. I find it odd that you would put music on and not think. I wonder if that's annoying someone. But then also, I think on the flip side, Jane, I've had the people who do who expect everyone to do everything very quietly. And I think that's actually more annoying because when, <laughs> when you're not a very loud person, you're, you're just walking around your house and somebody comes up in their pyjamas at 6 p.m. going, can you keep the noise down, please? You're oh, like, wow. Yeah. What kind of church mouse lifestyle do you lead? Because, and, you know, I, I think it is difficult because, you know, obviously in London, we're all on top of each other, aren't we? Whereas I think if you live in the countryside, it's not such a big deal. But I always expect... I'm really taken aback when people get really like angry when in London. That's what I'm like. Excuse me. That's why James's neighbours hate him. Yeah. <laughs> You've got. Well, you, you did have your cat until recently, didn't you? How are you feeling? Oh, I miss her. It's miserable. Yeah, it's so sad, isn't it? I'm it so really sorry. Isn't it? A home is a house is not a home without a pet in it. I don't think. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Let's to get another one. Yeah, do. I will. We're just trying to wait because it's so, everything's so odd at the moment. And obviously, suddenly, if we all just emerge back to normal next year, then we're all going to be crazily busy, I think, probably. And, and we don't want to get a pet now. And then suddenly our lifestyle completely changes after Christmas. And, you know, you've conned this animal into thinking you're both at home 24 oh. 7. Suddenly you're not. So we thought we should wait. Although I'm fine. You really it. are proper animal people, aren't you? I see. That's. I would think like that as well. It's. It's so hard, isn't it? I wish so I could tell hard. my dog that one day I'll be going back to work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You I could just explain to them. Yeah. yeah. And I worry a bit that a lot of people have adopted animals during lockdown, and then they're going to go back to work, and they're going to kind of return them because the animal's going to be traumatized. Oh my God. Oh, now I feel sad. I hope not. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, yes, and my plan is I keep trying to foster a cat. Oh, yeah. If I sneak it in like that, and then obviously we're going to fall in love with it, and obviously we're not going to send it anywhere, but so far it's not working. It's a shame I can't introduce you to my mum, who is the um, president of the local chapter of her Animal Welfare League oh, in, in the suburbs of Sydney. And, I mean, I've said it to a face, so I don't mind saying the entire house smells of cat piss. It's, um, it's every single room's got a, a kitty litter tray. There's cages of where they all sleep, but so they come in when they're ill. So my mum yeah. is constantly sticking vaccines in this one, sorting out the ringworm in that one. It's a zoo. Is, oh, is mum the Carol Baskin of Sydney? She, well, she is, but she's, yeah, well, I think, I think my mum could murder somebody as, as is a, a suspected of Carol Baskin. I think, I think she, she definitely would put animals before people, which I think is fair most of the time. Most, most people worse than animals. 
can argue. Yeah, yeah, most animals are much nicer than people. Yeah, what'd you say, Jane? I definitely, I was going to say, I don't think it quite works with domestic cats that if you throw the dead body to the domestic cats, they're going to devour it. Whereas obviously if you've got a few tigers. I don't know, know. I've met, my grandmother used to have a cat who I was absolutely terrified of, who was about like three feet tall on its forelay. It was the creepiest looking thing I've ever seen. I think that thing would have eaten you for sure. I, I used to live with a feral cat that used to terrorise anyone that, that would come, even to feed it. So he liked, he loved my flatmate, tolerated me and hated everyone else. So if we were away and even people coming in to feed it, he would like swipe, hiss, claw, like literally terrifying. Although to be fair, my cat Ollie was like that. Um, our cat that we just lost who wasn't in the slightest bit feral and was incredibly spoiled rotten, but she loved the two of us and hated everyone else with a passion. And I would say to people, they would come in and they'd go, oh, she looks so cute. Oh, and they put their hand up. I go, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. And everyone ignores you. Everyone sticks their hands out. You bit everyone. It is so yeah. true. Isn't it? Dogs have owners and cats have staff. It's so true. Yeah, yeah. And I like the fact you have to earn their um, respect and affection. Oh, well, I'm sorry. It's been such a shitty year, and then that had to happen. I'm so sorry. But at least, I mean, the book's doing really well, right? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. is. Um, yeah, it seems to be. I mean, obviously, there's a. It's been quite crazy in publishing because they cancelled a lot of books, including mine, that were meant to come out early in lockdown. Because you know, remember, it feels odd now, the early days when you thought you, nothing would ever be in the shops again, or, yeah. um, you know, and the warehouses were closed and everything, they couldn't get the books out. So they canceled a load of books. So obviously it's incredibly, it's an incredibly crowded market at the moment. So yeah, thank goodness it's doing all right. Yeah, and um, I, I can't help, ever help reading books without imagining the film or the TV show. Have you thought about who would play Stella and Laura? No, I never really do that. I think about what they look like, but I always make them into sort of amalgams of people I know so that I've got a good picture in my head. I feel like it puts me off a bit. And I no start... one can be cross with you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you can't yeah. take it <laughs> Yeah. Unless you're trying to make a really awful point, which I had done occasionally. <laughs> then. Um, but yeah, I don't really do the who would play them. Also, I feel like it slightly jinxes because I think, what if I think of an English person and then someone in America wants to make it and I've thought of it all wrong? Mm. Okay, well, I would highly recommend it. It's, it's also such a brilliant holiday read there's so many themes that i love i love the theme of unexpected female friendship i like the theme of um you know the almost like the, the lies we tell ourselves about our lives you know mm -hmm. it's like it's so because it, that there's that lovely parallel between them where laura doesn't realize the, sort of some of the lies that she's been living as well do you know what i mean so it, it's quite interesting yeah because yeah. we all put up a front and i think yeah even i always like to have characters that aren't i don't think anyone is 100 percent good or 100 percent bad so even with my horrible characters like stella They've always got some good in them. And also I think, you know, a lot of those people, the horribleness is a defense. It's a front because they've got something else going on or, you know, some kind of misery going on somewhere. That's a good segue into probably most of the rest of what I'm going to say when we play, is it just me? Because just remember that not everyone's all evil. Anyone listening? Not everyone. I might be a bit evil, but not all evil. Are you ready to play? Yeah. It's time to get very real now. No lies from here on in. This is all truth. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, first up this week, Jane, Joe, is it just me? And I didn't realize until recently how creeped out I get by this, but I get really weirded out by people who dress their children in identical clothing. It just has pure horror film vibes to me. And I can't decide what's more creepy, if it's identical twins or girls dressed the same, or when they dress like brothers and sisters the same. I don't know, the whole thing is just really weird. Am I, am I a bit of a freak when it comes to this? Why does it creep you out? I guess for me, I, for me, it just it feels there's a total lack of choice. 
Because <laughs> I just don't believe any child would choose to be dressed in the exact same clothing as their siblings. Let's, let's remember, I, mean, I don't know, I know, Joe, you have siblings, Jane, I don't know if you have siblings, but I know what it's like, you know, you, you love them, but you also hate them at the same time. You, it's all about having your own identity and having your own attention from your parents. And they do having to share essentially the same look. I just think it would really annoy me. And I'm, and I'm so grateful that my parents never did it. I think the closest we ever came was, I had a, t- a blue t-shirt that had James on it and she had one that had Kate on it. That was literally it. We never were dressed in like some kind of creepy, like, you know, Von Trapp children's curtains. Yeah, you were just dressed so your parents wouldn't forget your names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So utterly forgettable. We had yeah. to have a, a label <laughs> across our chest. Well, that was the youngest of five, so I just wore everybody's hand-me-down. So we didn't all wear the same thing at the same time, but I ended up wearing everybody's clothes. And did, did you, is that something that you noticed or cared about? Or? Well, it was slightly annoying that I never got anything new. But then, yeah. you know, they were all passed down quite a lot. Luckily, no one ever tried to dress the same. That would have been absolutely horrendous. I think maybe me and my next sister, Claire, when we were very small, would wear sort of maybe different coloured versions of the same thing. You're one of five. I think it actually kind of makes sense in a in a tour group kind of vibe. Like you know, so you'd never get lost if you like if you're all wearing like the same thing. Then then your completely exhausted parents could pick you out straight away and not lose any of you. That's I mean, what I'd be doing. Weirdly, a colour palette I, I wouldn't offend me so much. It's a bit like you know. I always think when I, I feel sorry for my friends who've been bridesmaids and they're all made to wear the identical dress and they all hate it. it doesn't suit any of their body shapes. And the best idea is always to give the bridal party a colour to wear. So they can all wear a style of outfit that suits them, but it's the same colour, so it's all kind of tonal. Um, yeah, that doesn't creep me out so much. But I think moreover, so what creeps me out more than dressing children the same is when you see like dads and sons dressed in the same outfit mm-hmm. or mums and daughters dressed together. I mean, that is next level crazy shit. Oh, but if it's a, if it's a, a dad and a son going to the football... And they both support the tea. I think that's cute. Yeah, but Joe, half the terrorists is wearing the same outfit as you there, and that's not the same thing at all. Yeah, no, that's different. <laughs> no, it's, I think it's all like mums and daughters. I think that's all part of the horrendous, she's not my daughter, she's my best friend sort of vibe <laughs> exactly, that goes Exactly, If I ever said that, my daughter would just punch me in the face. <laughs> she was like, honestly, we're under no illusions. I am not her best friend. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it says far more about the parent than it does about the child, obviously. That- yeah, that's what but I. But then I, I, I did do it accidentally a couple of times when, when she was really little. You just you, you know, if you've got if you're a girl and you've got a girl and you, they're the clothes you like. So I would, I would get dressed sometimes, and then Ross would look at us and we'd both be wearing, like khaki coloured trousers and a and a striped shirt. And I hadn't done it on purpose. And he used to say to me, "Oh look, you you and your best pal have got dressed again." And I'd, I'd have to go and change one of us. <laughs> Cute when it's a baby. That's cute. When you're a bit older than Well, I think that's for me. I think for me, it's when you can see the ego at work with the parents. And that's what I feel like. When you see like... Oh, you've really uh, thought about this. I just never thought about this. Oh, yeah. I do. I, I just find it really weird. I, I just think it's all about that obsession that some people have about having a mini me. They love seeing themselves reflected in their child. And it's all about them and it's all about their ego. So whether it's if they look more like them or like rather than the mum or if they addressed like them it's it's just like like, it's, like when kim kardashian puts north in a in a pvc sort of baby grow <laughs> that sort of a thing yeah it's just you did used to do that yeah, yeah. but it is funny though because i mean do you remember when um, victoria beckham got all that grief about dressing harper not in pink people would get really angry because she dressed through in a like, navy and brown 
tone and black and people were like really up in arms with the fact that she was dressing her not in the traditional way like a girl should be dressed. I mean, I, I was saying, we were talking about this in advance, Joan, I was saying, I also find it really creepy when you see children dress in very binary ways. Like when you see boys only dress in very butch blue and camouflage and girls have to be in sparkly pink. I find that really weird too. Well, because again, that's all about the parents. That's all about the parents' weird sort uh, of... No, I, I have to interject. It's not... It really isn't. It's like, I mean, having, it's so weird that thing that, I mean, you do, I mean, she's really self-conscious having a baby girl and putting her in pink, but as soon as she was vocal, she had such a pink and purple face and that's all she wanted to wear. And that had well, nothing to true. do with me. Yeah, yeah, but that's obviously true of some kids and maybe a lot of kids, but yeah. a lot of them it's not. So I wouldn't, I would never wear pink. I was like, I'm wearing, <laughs> refuse. Cause I was a little tomboy. So that's when it gets creepy like if my mum yeah. forced me into pink when actually I wanted to wear like you know more boyish things that that's not right I mean I think I was quite lucky so because my mum actually bless her she let me and my sister dress ourselves from I would argue far too young age to explain some of the horrific outfits we we're wearing because it was literally we would just roll around and put whatever we liked with anything we just looked ridiculous and we'd now go why did you dress me like that she's going you dressed yourself from the age of two so it's you know I do get that but um but no, yeah, it's just weird. But I don't know, maybe, I'm, well, I don't think I'm totally alone. Joe. I feel like you're more in defense of some of these people because it can be sometimes accidental, but maybe no, I, need to... I, I I mean, I do think it's weird, but I don't care. <laughs> is that like, is that just terrible? I don't know. <laughs> just think, you know, the, the, that, that's, that family's future therapy bills. Have at it, have at it. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. I used to know, yeah. well, I didn't know them, but I used to see identical twins who were adults they were probably in there, I don't know, they're probably about 30. And every single day they would wear an exactly matching outfit apart from they'd have different colored socks. So, and one of each. So See, one now that them. is strange. That is strange, yeah. I wonder yeah. where they are now. God knows, but I'm sure they're matching wherever they are. Probably stalking a hotel saying, come play with us to some poor hapless child. Well, there's, yeah. also, there's also those twin sisters in, I think they're in Perth. Sorry, Joe, they're in Australia. But they, I think they've been dating the, the world's most identical twins. But aside from that, they also share a boyfriend. They do Ooh. literally everything together. Oh, I know. He doesn't sound I know. Cool. Yeah. No. Oh, no, I mean, that's they, upset me. I know. And they yeah. are also, they wear one outfit, they wear the same outfit uh, once. They never wear it again, then they give it away. But it's like, my God. So Who are many they? things wrong with that. Well, they're the world's most identical twins, Joe. They, they, that, that's their USP. God, what if they're my cousins or something? Also, <laughs> <laughs> well, I find that quite weird that he's wrangled this situation where he can have two girlfriends, but it's basically the same girlfriend with maybe a well, slight... Well, I was, I was thinking that they had wrangled a situation where some of them, one of them always gets a bit of time off. So, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. I think that's, you know, maybe all power to them in their matching sports girl attire. It's a big brand out there. Oh, I don't know. We're never going to conclude on this. It's weird. If you're doing that, stop it. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, don't share boyfriends. But maybe if you convince us, email us at the show. You know, we love to hear from you. Send us an email at isitjustmepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on this subject. And also feel free to suggest any other topics. Like I, I think said, our friend Claire might know those twins because there's only about six people in Perth. <laughs> yeah, Claire, if you're listening, you should be listening. Mm. Find find them. Yeah, yeah. Back mm. to you. Do send us an email, the guys. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> Is it just me, Jane Fallon, James Williams, who and now, you know, obviously it's been a year of pain and distress and trauma for everybody. And, and there's nobody who's been unaffected by our Corona times, but we have to mind the silver linings where we can. And for me, it's the death 
of the All You Can Eat Buffet. That is, I will not miss it at all. We've got one at work and I know that people love the idea. I think it, I might be scarred from my time as a Pizza Hut waitress where it was my job to tell people that the all-you-can-eat buffet was one bowl per person and you'd see people all the time towering past their heads with like a tiny little spring onion right on the top of this mountain to teeter it back to share between 20 of their closest friends at the table. And it was my job to go and tell burly men that that was not on and they were ripping off the restaurant. So you can imagine how well that went. To, to modern day times when there's a buffet at my work and when once you've seen one sort of scruffy person flacking their dandruff into the potato salad, surely, sure. I mean, it's just believe if Corona's taught us anything, it's that buffets are bad news. Can we just all I've agree always, on that? Yeah, I've always been a bit phobic about any food that's left out for exactly that. The sneezing, the picking it up and putting it down again. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. the thought of it, I can't, I can't, I look at it. I'm a bit like that with ready meals, actually. I, I can't eat ready meals because I, or fast food, because I start thinking, what's gone into this? Like, who's dropped a pube in it or a fingernail and not noticed? And Have you ever found a pube in your food? I have, it's disgusting. I found what I thought was a fingernail. <laughs> when we were already oh. poor, we'd eaten this, we had a packet of soup. And uh, oh, was it soup? I thought it was some kind of some kind of packet of dried something, and I thought there was a fingernail in it. And so I wrote a letter and I sent it to the people, and they wrote me a very polite letter back saying, "We're sending you some vouchers," which because we were really really poor at the time, so this was good. We're sending you some vouchers for some free packets of soup. P.S. It was a prawn shell. Oh, <laughs> okay. Enough. Well, that's slight. Yeah, but that's. But you can see why you would make that conclusion because the problem with buffets is you have to trust human decency and human behavior. And I think the day my relationship with buffets ended was I was at the pub with my family and my mum was over. We were, I'd had a newborn baby and I was just sort of like, you know, I was dead tired with it. Let's just go here, it's easy. And so this was a really kid-friendly restaurant, pub restaurant. And I saw this little boy, about three, take all the communal cutlery and shove it down his trousers, Ooh. which is, you know, he's three. But then what happened was his mother pulled the cutlery out of his trousers and put it all back in the communal pot. Now, I would have gone, taken it to the bar and said, I'm so sorry, my ass of a little child has just put these things down his pants. So, but no, she just put them straight back in. I mean, she wouldn't do that at home. No, that's the stuff of my nightmares. That's why I can't even, and kids, God bless them, but kids and buffets, no, they're going to touch something. No. Yeah, their children are going to touch it and put it back and pick their nose and wipe it on. They're going to wee on it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they really are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, no, they're awful. Yeah. And also, it's always such a terrible. The idea of it is always very exciting. And then when you get there, it's always just it's it's couscous and something, rice and something. It's all the same kind of. And it's all brown. I feel like I'm the lone man in defence of the buffet here. I mean, but maybe it's because it's steeped in nostalgia. Because for me, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm kind of with you. I've never been a fan of the the Pizza Hut. That kind of restaurant buffet so yeah I, I totally agree you can see people sort of scratching their bits and things flaking off into that but I'm um, so I agree with you on that one but when you say buffet to me see I, for me it's kind of steeped in like children's party nostalgia so I always think like you know really kind of the best like you know retro crisps and like you know uh cheese and pineapple hedgehogs and you know picnic eggs all those kind of things basically you normally would never ever eat but you go to a kid's party or to a a, 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 I don't know, a gran, granny's birthday party and it's totally acceptable to eat all this crap. That's where I, I kind of love that. And I also yeah, love well, that, That's exciting when you're a kid. Yeah. 
I, I haven't grown out. And, and when you, you've got a modicum of control over how long it's been out and who's been looking at it and touching also, it and breathing also, on it. Yeah. It's brilliant because you never get food FOMO because, you know, it's a little bit of, of everything. And I think that's often, for me, the stress sometimes going to a really posh restaurant and feeling like the pressure you've got to order really well because you don't want to fuck it up because there's nothing worse than ordering badly and having the disappointing meal, is there? Whereas at least the beauty of a buffet is it's, you literally you can have a little smorgasbord, a little bit of everything. But most of it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Name me one thing that survives really well on a buffet. It's hard to think of anything. Chris. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but even then, a, a skip or a, or a what's it can go off quite quickly. Yeah. So. Yeah, but is, am I just too hygiene phobic because I'm also, I have a huge issue with um, birthday candles as well on cakes. Can't be doing with it, can't do it. I never thought about that until you pointed it out to me. Now, every time I see somebody blowing out their candles, that's all I can think of. Once you've yeah. seen someone in the office put, even put spittle on the top of the cake when they blow out the candles, I'm done. Done. Oh my God, you've ruined my day with this conversation. Honestly, yeah. this kind of thing keeps me awake at night. I can't believe <laughs> I think Joe's. I think Joe has now single-handedly ruined the birthday for every single person yeah. listening to this show. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Joe. I mean, I've got that. I mean, I don't understand why this is apparently my mental disorder. But that <laughs> apparently, apparently, if you really can't handle the noise of people eating, then it's then it's you who has the mental disorder. And there's a name for it that I can't remember right now. Yeah, but is. that's who I am. I can't bear any mouth situations. Yeah, I agree, but it's funny. One of my favourite noises in the world is an animal enjoying their food. They can't eat noisily enough in the animal. Oh, yeah. Person. Oh, my God. Just That's so true. I never get sick of watching my dog eat. It's just so yeah. funny. Just the really noisier, the better, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, but it's actually really cute when, when animals do it. Yeah. <laughs> Except I used to have a dog when I was a child who, well... He used to, he used to like licking certain parts of himself, and he was he was obsessive with it, and that was a horrible noise, and that used to keep me awake. But yeah, yeah, I've heard that noise. But the eating, yeah, people eating, and people with their mouths open. Oh, oh. shut your mouth! What do you? I like Jane. Jane's as intolerant as I am. This is really good. This is like I feel like I've met my kindred spirit. <laughs> yeah. I'm of the belief that it's good to be exposed to a little bit of bad thing, like a bit of like germs to keep, to build up a bit of intolerance to things. Tolerance, sorry, not intolerance. That's my idea. So that's why I always think when people go weird about the fact that you know, I let my dog kiss me, they're like, oh, dirty. I'm going, no. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. But then I, I that's any of that. Lovely. I used to sleep in the bed with my cat with a face yeah. in me, a bottom in me, whatever. But um, that's not, someone sneezing on your couscous? No. I know. Yeah. No, no, no. I'd rather, if I, if I dropped something on the ground, I'd happily pick that up and eat it. But if you licked it, I wouldn't eat it. Yeah, I mean, so exactly. it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I will say is, actually having made a buffet for a Christmas party a few years ago, I, that was really hard work. It's, it's much harder work doing a buffet than just making a massive meal for everyone. Not if you're my sister-in-law, you just go to Asda. Every Boxing Day, we have an Asda buffet and it's the best. It really is. Yeah. So you see a, a contained a contained uh, buffet. You're fine with Joey. It's just where I can it. be, where I can police it vigilantly, and <laughs> you know, and I know everybody's health conditions beforehand. Yeah, that sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, like I said, if you are if you are like me and you'd be very sad to say goodbye to a buffet, then let us know. Uh, again, do drop us an email. We love hearing from you. The email address again is is it just me podcast at gmail dot com. And if it's your birthday, happy birthday. Just just clap and let everybody have a bit of spittle-free cake. Just, or, you know, yeah. Or sparklers. <laughs> sparklers are on cakes now because they're fine because they just fizzle out by themselves. Exactly. So you still get the, still get the yes. sense of drama without the spittle. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It, it, it's me again. And this might be just me. My husband always says this is just me. And he gets really upset with me. Um, is it just me who, particularly on a long haul flight, just cannot help finding somebody to focus all my anger and irritation on? They, they almost become like a a nemesis. I don't pick a fight with anyone. I'm not an air rager, but there's always somebody doing something like putting their feet where they shouldn't be, usually without shoes on, or you've seen um, walk out of the bathroom and clearly not wash their hands or tapping away or being really awful to a stewardess or something like that. And so I just sort of like hate focus on them for the whole flight. It's almost like a, an in-flight hobby for me. It really passes the time. It's, it sounds more entertaining than half the films on in-flight entertainment, Joe, to be honest. Well, especially when they've censored them. Or oh, then there's other people who are openly watching porn on their iPads. I hate those people. Oh, you mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, honestly, you really do see it all on a long-haul flight. Yeah, sadly, I'm just going to agree with you again, because people are, can be so annoying. Anything can ruin your flight. For me, it's the, no, it's the noisy people. So it's the tap-tap-tappers or people that are shifting around in their seat, or it's the people that engage the poor air stewards in conversation. Oh, and God! Especially the ones who were flirting with them. Yes. Who were like, you know, the businessmen lonely, sort of like, you know, it's sort of like trying to live that, that 70s yes. life of, of, of flying with the dolly birds. Oh, God, yes. Exactly, and you know that the poor woman just wants to tell them to fuck up and shut yes. their pudding, but yeah, obviously they can't. And I don't, I, I also have got a real thing about this, the people who, um, there's nothing worse than when you're in economy and you've got the seats right near the loos. So people, you will get, go and queue up for the toilets with their mates and lean on the back of your chair and have a big loud conversation while you're trying to sleep or watch a film and hang around there as if, as if it's their home. I always find that I do, I'll, I'll get really annoyed with someone and I'll do a lot of eye rolling and tutting every time they make a noise. And then at some point towards the end of the flight, they'll say something nice to me or smile at me or, you know, help me out with something. And then I just feel like the worst person. I know because then the minute those doors open, civilization has returned and you've become the nice person that you actually are. 
but you're just so contained, especially because I fly to Australia a lot. It's a long time to be with people you don't know doing things like kicking the back of your seat. Yeah. I've had a couple of two different people on two different flights who spent the whole time ripping articles out of newspapers and magazines. But why? Time. They would go and get another one, look, look, find something interesting, rip it out, put it to one side. You're just waiting for the little rippy sound. And, and isn't it so, in a, particularly in those confined spaces, it's when you wouldn't notice that ordinarily, but once you do notice something like that, it becomes the biggest deal in your entire life and you can't understand why people are doing it. Yeah. Repetitive noise is the worst. And when you know you're trapped in that little tiny space with them for eight hours or whatever. But what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you on a flight? This was, we, Ross and I, years ago, were sitting next to this woman. It was a long haul flight to Australia. And she was on her own. And she must have been about 900 years old, which is not her fault. But she was, she was really frail. And every time she needed the loo, the attendants needed to come and help her go to the toilet. And she kept, she'd never been on a flight before. And she kept asking Ross what the packets of sauce were. She kept dropping things. And it was, it was fine, but she was just completely hopeless. And Ross kept getting up and picking up things, getting up and picking stuff she dropped. And then I noticed he went to pick up and I went, no, because it was her teeth. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. oh, I wasn't expecting that. And that was, yeah. So you can understand why I've got mouth phobias. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god you, you, you've just reminded me of mine i remember i was coming back it was actually a work a work trip and i was working i had my laptop out i was one of those twats actually had a laptop up in, in economy doing work and jane was, very, was somewhere hate glaring at you the whole time yeah yeah, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Very nice and i'm a bit like you jen the people that try to make small talk with me on on a plane i'm like this is a long haul fly from la i do not want to have to make small talk for that length of time. So I already had headphones in and she was like, and she, and she insisted on sort of, you know, basically engaging me in conversation. And in the end I said, oh, I'm actually working. I've got a deadline. I've got to get this file by the time I get home. And I kind of told her who it was and who I'd interviewed, blah, blah, blah. So I sort of made a bit of small talk and she actually was quite sweet. And then she kind of wound me around a bit. So then I did a bit of work, finished up. And then towards the end of the fly, we had a bit more of a chat. And then her husband was getting the drinks in and we were all having a lovely gay, gay old time. And then we came into to, to landing and suddenly she just went very quiet. And I looked at her and I thought, are you okay? And she proceeded to literally turn to her husband and projectile vomited all over him. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. This Jane is, and I are just stunned into silence right now. This yeah. was exorcist level projectile vomit all down him. And to the point where he was so shocked, he didn't even make a single, he didn't even move. And I literally did a very British thing where I just sort of went, I didn't know what to do. So I just put my headphones back on, just sat there, didn't say anything. <laughs> but meanwhile, we're sat there going, thank God you didn't vomit on me. Yeah, good I thought, on I mean, turning I around. To her, she didn't get a drop on me. But I mean, it was awful. We'd done that whole thing about exchange numbers. We must keep in touch. Send me the Oh article. my God. So you went from like, I'm not, I don't want to speak to you to like basically moving in with them. <laughs> no, no, we did all that before. She, and then once she vomited, oh. I never heard from her ever again. I was in the theatre yeah. once and someone projectile vomited all over my back. Oh no! Halfway through a play, she was a kind of older lady and she was quite drunk. She'd been oh god, and she obviously wasn't used to it. And there was it was one of those theatres where you're not sitting up in tears. You're sitting. We were like in this. It was all stalls basically. So she was right behind me, and I just heard a sort of rumbling noise, and it was <laughs> all over me. I have no funny ending to the story. It was just a horror. No, I Jane, wonder if that woman has just retired from polite society and never came out ever again. Because I, I mean, my mother-in-law still feels bad enough about the time her mobile went off in, in a play. So can you imagine? 
You know what? I don't think she even really realised she'd done it. She was no. quite slaughtered. Oh my God, that's my it's worst. Sort of like night. making sure it wasn't me. I, no, I don't think I've done that. No. <laughs> my worst my, one my daughter was another yep. older woman. And she was, it was a flight to New York, I think. And she came on with her son. And she was just a talker. You could just hear her talking. She'd, oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, oh, God, please don't sit anywhere near me. Yeah. And for some reason, we was up in the posh bit. So Ricky was by the window and I was across the aisle next to him in a bit where there's two seats. And then the, the son had obviously cleverly, because he didn't want to sit next to his mother the whole flight because she was never going to shut up. He was sitting on the other side and she was sitting next to me. So we're sort of stuck together in a two in the middle. And she was talking and talking and she just started the minute she sat down oh, blathering on at him. And I was thinking any minute now she's going to turn around and all the attention yeah. is on me because he was trying to pretend he wasn't, you know, he was like getting his paper out. He clearly was going to put his headphones on and go to sleep and the plane took off. So when the plane took off, I pressed the button and the little screen went up in between the seats because I thought, no, that's fine. You don't have to kind of tell someone you're doing it. And then she started going, oh, Martin, look at what she's done. How rude is that? Look what that woman's just done. She was shouting her head off. It was so humiliating. And then I had to sit next to her for sort of six hours. Oh, wow. Just, but at least she didn't talk to me, so it was fine. Yeah. And she didn't vomit on you. She didn't vomit on me, which was good. And at one point, a plant pot fell on her head, which slightly broke the ice. Because um, there was a sort of, plant, like a potted plant on a shelf. Oh, my God, she's like Mr. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my and then again, God. Then of course, then I felt a bit bad because, you know, a plot pot had fallen on her head. And then, so then I had to be nice to her. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Well, I don't know what I've concluded. I, I think that, you know, maybe it, it makes me a terrible person, but it's quite good for my mental health to have that, that, that venting mechanism to get me through a long haul flight. Yeah, you've now yeah. made me think that I've been doing it wrong all these years. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I just, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just, it, it's that confined space. Everything is, there's heightened, you know, you get drunker, you cry more at films and I get angrier, but yeah. <laughs> it's a healthy way to vent. Yeah, maybe not, but it's, it's <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm powerless in the face of it. Yeah, there's I just so rein myself in, because I feel like actually I do just send myself slightly mad if I allow myself to be annoyed by someone. But do you get, because Ross always um, tells me off, because I'll start saying, oh, look at that woman over there. She, look at the way she's hogging those two seats. Or like, you know, look at the way that guy's eating. Why is that guy taking his shirt off? And Ross is like, well, you just watch the film. And I'm like, and I, and I can't, I can't. I don't know why it doesn't bother him. It's because so, you, also, it's because you know there's going to be someone, so you're looking out for it. So it's like <laughs> anything that you like, get too worried about it in advance, it's going to send you crazy. <laughs> I, I always feel slightly disappointed and, uh, when there's not uh, a nun on a transatlantic flight. Because I feel like every time I get on a transatlantic flight, there's a nun. And I now find it very comforting. And when there's not a nun, I get really worried. And I sit there really fretting for about 11 hours going, where's the nun? Where's the nun? Well, I don't know nun on this flight. I have never well, seen I went to a convent, so I definitely wouldn't find that comforting. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. never seen a nun on a plane. Right. No, no, no. Goodness. No. Joe, no. uh, uh, Joe, jo, you could never hate a nun. Wow. No, of course not. No, 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 no. I, I definitely would not have flight. That feels like we'd be inviting all sorts of wrathful vengeance and punishment, doesn't it? You don't want to do that on a plane. Anyway, I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Well, maybe it is just me. No, it's, it's me and Jane. It's just me and Jane. <laughs> again. Yeah, again. Well, you're a very tolerant person, James. <laughs> so am I. Yeah. <laughs> he puts up with me. Oh. 
Yeah. Listen, it's been such a delight to have you. Thank you so much for making the time in what must be a crazy time at the moment. Everybody go and read Queen Bee. It's a brilliant book. It's, it's out now everywhere. You can possibly get it. Um, anything else to plug? Me? No, sadly. Uh, is there? Oh, no, I don't think so. No, just that. Queen Bee. Bye, Queen Bee. And all my old ones. Yeah, looking good. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jane. Thanks Pleasure. for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.